All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Stober. I appreciate the uh, the warm welcome. I'm excited to get to meet all of you. I know some of you. Uh, I I know most of this family over here now, and uh, I know some of the family on this front row here. And uh, but I'm looking forward to meeting the rest of you this afternoon and getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, I will forewarn you uh, about today's message real quickly here. Uh, one. If I seem a little off, it is because I have forgotten absolutely everything that I ever packed at home. So we were supposed to be with Pastor Stover uh, yesterday evening for supper. He said, be there at 5.30. I said, okay, great. We get to the Airbnb. And by the way, thank you all for the accommodations. It was absolutely amazing over there. It, gorgeous. And uh, so we, I get there and I'm like, all right, I need to get my stuff carried in. I need to get ready. I need to be prepared. I go to get the stuff out of the car and I realize I don't have a suit coat. I don't have a button-up shirt. I don't have a tie. I don't have anything. Now, thankfully, 16 minutes down the road from where we're staying is a Kohl's. So we race down to Kohl's. I run in at Kohl's, and uh, I get there, and I find a shirt that is in my size. I'm like, yes! Okay, and then I find a tie, and I'm like, okay, I can make that work. And I find this coat, and I throw it on real quick, and I'm like, yep, that works. Run out the door. And uh, we get up this morning to get ready, and I realize that I feel like I'm wearing my dad's sport coat today and so I'm maybe a little off from that. We're in the book of John today, John chapter number eight. I appreciate Pastor Stover's emphasis on missions and I appreciate his focus on evangelism. The the theme that you all have this year of love thy neighbor is an amazing theme. Because oftentimes as we think about missions, we get this mindset that we're going to the foreign mission field. We're looking at foreign missions, but I want to talk to you today about a people group that are right here in your community. They're going to be in your community when you move over to Richmond. They're going to be there, and most churches don't want them. Most churches aren't reaching out to them because they don't quite fit the mold. But Jesus loves them, and Jesus has given us a command to go to them. And so today I want to talk to you about loving the person with a past. Now, I don't know if you all stay for both services, but let me encourage you today, if you don't normally stay, stay. Because the first part of this message here in John chapter number eight is what not to do. And then the second part this afternoon is what you should do. And we're going to look at what Christ does for a very well, a very troubled woman and how Christ showed love the biblical way. Now, I don't know if you all stand when you read the Word of God, but in my church, we do. So habit is, I'm going to ask you if you're able to just stand with me uh, this morning, and we'll read and we'll dive in. The Bible says here in verse number one of John 8, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them, and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. 
So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and rode on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we look into your word today that you'd help us to show love to these individuals in our communities that have a very public past, a very public record. And Lord, I pray that as we show that love, that you would work through us to reach these individuals, these lost individuals oftentimes, these underserved individuals oftentimes in our communities, and that in all of it, you'd receive the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated this morning. Everyone that will ever come to Bible Pathway Baptist Church, whether it's here in Lexington or whether it's over in Richmond or wherever the Lord may lead in the future, will come with a past. All of us have a past. But some people's past are a little different than others. I remember the majority of Pastor Stover's testimony. He was saved at a very young age. Four, year, four years old? Four years old. Uh, and I always remembered thinking, wow, what horrible sin had Pastor Stover as a four-year-old committed? Then I played golf with him and I understood. Um, <laughs> sorry, jokes are all quick. Um, no, the truth is, I always wondered about that. I, I always wondered about what he had done. Now, our church, we are about five years old. Uh, we started in not a great situation, but the Lord worked and the Lord blessed. And in our church, we have a jail ministry. Now, our jail ministry, up until the, the COVID-19 virus, met every single Wednesday night. And we had a gentleman, Brother Douglas, that would go into the Pike County Jail, and he would reach out to the inmates that were in there. He would take time and preach to them and write the messages specifically geared towards that assembly, if you will, of people. He would take time and have one-on-one -on -one, uh, conversations with them, sharing the gospel. And because of that ministry, we began to have a lot of individuals with a very checkered past make it to our church. And the thing is, is I began to see early on that there wasn't anybody else reaching out to this group of people. And there were very few individuals that were trying to reach people with a checkered past. Everybody wanted the Bible college student. Everybody wanted the person that understood uh, their theology. But there wasn't anybody reaching out to people that didn't understand what theology even was. And there were people that wanted the Bible scholar. But they weren't interested in the individual that didn't know the difference between the book of Genesis and the band of Genesis. And they had no idea that these people even existed. And so they were overlooked. And when people would come to their churches, I began to see a lot of things that they did wrong. And so today I want to talk to you right now about what do we do and what don't we do specifically right now when someone with a checkered past comes to our church? Number one. I don't know if you all take notes, but number one, here you go. 
these individuals, when they come to your church, do not need you to bring up their past. They know what it is. I promise you, they get it. If you look here in verse number 1, Jesus comes out of the Mount of Olives, and in verse number 2 it says, And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. If you look over a little bit further, in verse number 7, the Bible says, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself. The first time that this woman ever speaks is in verse number 11. The very end of the passage. She did not need to come to Jesus and have him uh, tell her what she has done. The world was doing a fantastic job of that on its own. They had already condemned this poor woman. They had already sealed her fate, if you will. She didn't need Jesus to tell her what she had done. You know, most people, when they come to our churches, when they come in the door of our churches, especially with a past, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. You don't know what people are thinking. You don't know uh, whether or not you're going to find any kind of acceptance there. You just don't know. And we see this in our churches. These men come into our church. These ladies come into our church. We find that they just don't know what to expect. And it's disheartening to them when they walk in the door to see individuals that are looking at them and coming up to him and saying, aren't you the guy that, that just, just did this thing over here and was on the paper, front page of the paper? Or, what, weren't, weren't you that guy, David? I see those shifty eyes. I see it. It's disheartening to them. It hurts. And they don't know what to do. And if they ever were to forget what they've done, just like the Pharisees and the scribes here, the world is going to remind them over and over and over again. They don't need us to remind them of what they've done. I want you to notice, Jesus here never once in this passage of Scripture tells her what she had done wrong. He never calls her out on adultery. He calls it what it is. It's sin. He says that at the end of verse number 11. He calls it out exactly as it was. But he didn't remind her of what it was. He knew that she understood. And the people that will come to our churches that have this checkered past, they truly do understand. The second thing they don't need. The second thing they don't need. They don't need you to talk to, about them to others. Now, I'm going to preface with this. There are conversations when an individual with a checkered past comes into the church and they begin to visit and maybe they're getting plugged in. There are conversations that need to happen. I mean that. There are conversations that need to happen. But those conversations don't need to happen amongst the entire body. They need to be happening with pastor. Pastor's job here at Bible Pathway Baptist Church is to protect the flock, to protect the church, and to steer it. That's his job. And there are conversations that must happen between, probably Brother Tyler is the, the deacon, 
and Pastor Stover, and I don't know if you all have a trustee in the church, um, but those leadership positions. What doesn't need to happen is when the body itself begins to turn into a machine that is great at spreading information that doesn't need to be spread. We go every year to the Bill Rice Ranch. That, we were actually going to be heading down there in just a few hours. After we left here, we were heading down for family camp and, uh, and everything, and then some things out of their control changed and, and whatnot. We weren't able to go. But the thing I love about the ranch is they have a statement, and it's about complaining. If you've ever been there for camp, you've heard the complaint spiel at some point in time or another. Complaining, as defined by Dr. Will Rice, is this saying anything in a negative manner to someone who can do nothing about it. Okay. Now, if I were to say, as an individual here, hey, Brett, do you know what David did? You don't know? Well, let me tell you what David did. David did not shake my hand. How dare he? Do you know he is a wicked sinner because of that? I'm picking on David because I know David. But the, <laughs> the truth is, that does no one any good. If you look here in our passage, something unique stands out to me. Over and over and over again, we see the word they. We see the scribes and Pharisees spoken of in the plural because there was a group of them. Now, I promise you, this group did not catch this woman in the act of adultery. Maybe a couple of them did. But they went out and they told others. And they told others, and when that happens, it snowballs to the point that individuals that are coming into our churches feel as if everybody's talking about them, and they're used to that. It's a sad state, but it really is. They are used to that. They go to the grocery store, and they'll see people that avoid them. Maybe you've made someone mad in your life or something. You know how that feels. And they see people that avoid them. Sometimes in churches, people will come in and you can watch it almost happen in the church when an individual with their past comes in and just say, hey, um, do you know who that is over there? No, who is that? That's that drug addict that just got out of jail. And that, that's who that is. And you'll watch people as they talk about others start to spread away from that individual. In a church where we all have a past, there should be no room for that. No more than you would want me going somewhere that you're at and spreading the truth, necessarily, about your past, do they want you to be doing the same? Now again, I understand there are conversations that have to happen, but they don't need to happen in the presence of that individual so that they feel isolated and as if they're some form of leper. When individuals walk into your church like this, I'm here to tell you, I've seen it happen. When they walk into your church, oftentimes they feel like they need to walk around saying unclean. Unclean. Now, I hope it's not that way with Bible Pathway Baptist Church. I know your pastor's hard in it. But the truth is, we have to be careful because it can easily, easily happen. They don't need you to talk about them. Let me give you the third thing. I don't, I don't know how long Pastor Stover normally preaches. I am not a long preacher. We'll be done fast, I promise. Number three, here you go. They don't need you to allow their past to define them. When you look at this, these individuals allowed one mistake from this woman. A big mistake. A mistake punishable by the Mosaic Law. Uh, exactly what they were saying. But they were going to allow it to ruin her entire future. In fact, they were going to make it to where she wouldn't have the future. They wanted to take her, if you notice there in verse number five, and stone her. 
They wanted her life over. It was done. But Jesus, well, he responded in a different way. If you look in verse number 11, he tells her, neither do I condemn thee. I love that. Because he didn't allow her past to define her. Later on in the scriptures, you'll find over and over and over again that Jesus talks about our past and he reminds us that it's just that, our past. One of the most common verses, and you all know it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Over in Romans, uh, chapter number 8, verse number 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, we can oftentimes allow an individual to come into our church, and maybe there are consequences for their, their sin. You, you, you know, all sin has consequences. Some of it's visible, some of it's not, but all sin has consequences. And they come into our churches, and maybe those consequences stop us from allowing them to serve in certain areas. Perfect example. If someone is accused and convicted and found guilty and, and so on and so forth, and it is known that they have embezzled thousands of dollars from their business, I'm not going to put them in charge of the church's treasury account. That's a consequence of that. But oftentimes we allow that, that sin, that problem, to stop us from allowing them to serve anywhere else. And those individuals may not be able to be put in charge of finances, but they can be put in charge of teaching a class. Those individuals may not be able uh, to be in charge of finances, but they can greet people at the door. One of my favorite preachers uh, of all time, his name's Chris Edwards. I love his dad. I love him. He said, when people come to our church and they have a past, I put them in as a greeter. Do you know why you put them in as a greeter, he says? He says this. He says, because they look like the people that are going to come in the door. He said, they don't have it all figured out. He said, they probably don't even know the definition of the word theology, but they're happy to be at church, and they're happy to be somewhere where they're welcomed, and they want others to feel the same. You know, everybody has a place that they can serve in the local church. It's an amazing thing that Christ did. And he did it so that we as individuals, all of us having a past, could be used of God for his glory. Think about this. If God never used people with a very public past, how thin would our Bible be? No Moses. He's gone. David, he's out too. How about Saul of Tarshish? Paul, gone. No, God uses people with a very jaded, a very checkered past for His glory because in those moments, He gets the glory. It's amazing. It's amazing. I love, <laughs> I love individuals that have a checkered past. I really do. I've seen, I've seen what happens with individuals with a checkered past. I've seen churches do well and I've seen churches do bad. And I've seen it firsthand because I'm one of those individuals. My testimony began in jail. My testimony began as a drug addict. And I remember walking into church that first Sunday and watching people leave the pew that I was sitting in and thinking, man, I don't belong here. 
I remember walking into that church that morning and not realizing that it wasn't appropriate to wear an ACDC t-shirt. But I remember the pastor, the founding pastor of the church, putting his hand on my shoulder and saying, hey, come sit with me. And I remember looking back at him and saying, hey, I don't think you know who I am. He says, Scott, everybody knows who you are. Come sit with me. I remember him opening his Bible and showing me from the Word of God that, that this is what I should be doing and how I should be living. I remember whenever things got hard and I got away from God and I came back, how your pastor didn't allow people to say, hey, how long is it going to last? We'll talk about that here in a few moments. He didn't allow him to say that. He said, listen, that's not faith. Faith is he's here and we're going to watch him grow. Friend, you never know what that person is going to do when they come into your church. You never know who they're going to grow up to be. Some of the greatest individuals of all time, some of the greatest preachers that did the most good, all started with horrible pasts. Love those individuals that come to you with that checkered past. They don't need you to talk about them. The world's doing a good enough job. They don't need you to remind them of what they've done. The world does a good enough job on that. And they don't need you to allow their past to define their future. The world does a good enough job of that. Now what they need is someone that's going to love them because they are your neighbors. They are a people that Jesus Christ died for. They are individuals that can benefit your church and you as you benefit them. Love those people with a checkered past. How do we do it? That's the second service. Pastor Vince. Thank you, Brother Scott. And it's good, just perfectly in what we've been talking about this year, what our goal is in this year. We've been hampered a little bit uh, by everything that's going on this year. We haven't forgotten. And we're going to have